Good morning. Hey, how are we? Are we doing well? Okay, let's see. This is my first time using a clicker, so let's see how this goes. Oh, oh, right. Okay, so how do I do that? <laughs> There's a switch. Oh, I see it. Okay. Ah, there we go. <laughs> well, that's a good start. Um, how are we? Are we doing well? We're doing well? Well, good morning. First of all, I want to thank the worship team. You guys did an amazing job. Thank you, Kevin, for coming this morning and leading us in worship. And as Jamie said, um, Lauren is his daughter, and in her belly is his soon-to-be grandchild. So that's pretty special. I love seeing the generations coming together, and God is good. So this morning, it's a little bit of a musical chairs moment at church. So Kevin was filling in for me. Normally, I'd be leading this week. I had Jamie filling in on keys. I had Charissa filling in on the kit for Chris, who's away with his family. And I'm filling in for Roger this morning, who is speaking at a camp. So I don't know if you can follow all that, but it is a true musical chairs moment at church. So Raja is speaking at a camp this week, and I was chatting with his wife, Sarah, last week. And we were in the downstairs bathroom chatting because the stereotypes are true, us ladies. We have a gift of the gab. We do chat in the bathroom. So she was joking that her and her husband are treating this a little bit as like a mini getaway. Um, but then she paused for effect and said, well, it's a holiday, but I have to hear my husband preach for seven days in a row. So it is a, it is a busy time for our pastors. He's speaking 12 sermons, but I pray that it will be a refreshing time for our pastors and likewise, I am honored to be here with you today. So if I were a character on the show, friends, hands down, I'd be Monica Geller. Minus her culinary abilities, I am type A to a T. Are there any type A people here? A few? I, I feel you. Um, I am type A. I love to clean. I love to edit. I love to organize. That is just my jam. I love it. So when I spring clean, I don't just limit it to my closets and my house and my drawers and my cupboards and my car, but like I go through like everything, including my email inbox even. So this spring I was going through my inbox and I noticed that I was getting junk mail from certain businesses that had acquired my email address over the years and I had just got so used to seeing these daily promotions. But as I was sorting through my emails, I recalled that if you scroll down to the bottom of an email, there's this nifty feature called unsubscribe, and you click it, and that business, you will no longer receive an email from that business. So I was going through one by one, clicking unsubscribe, 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 and I began to feel the Lord's conviction. What if I was intentional about unsubscribing to the unhealthy junk mail mindsets in my life as I was about my email inbox. And so today my message is called unsubscribe. And my hope and prayer is that we would take stock of our own lives, that we would unsubscribe to the things that hold us back and rather that we would subscribe to all what God has for us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, that we can be here in your place, God. I thank you for the beautiful worship, God, that authentic, beautiful worship this morning. God, that we can come freely, God, we can be in your house. God, I pray, Lord, that as we hear the word, God, that we would have open hearts, Lord, God, and we would 
receive what you would have for us today. God, I thank you, Lord, that the Bible is the one book that reads us back, God. And Lord, I pray that we would leave this place transformed and challenged and inspired, Lord, to live more like you. In your precious name, amen. So when I felt convicted to unsubscribe, I immediately knew that I've been guilty of holding on to unhealthy, junk mail, false mindsets, and I needed to adopt new ones. So firstly, do our thoughts matter? I mean, our thoughts are our thoughts. Is it a free-for-all? The answer is no. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Here it says every thought. Every thought. It is so important that we think about what we think about. We need to think about what we think about. The battlefield is in the mind. So here are some mindsets to unsubscribe to. Common traps we all face time to time. The first one is self-reliance. For me, this is a real temptation, especially in those peachy seasons of life when things are good. You know, those mountaintop experiences. I can fall into the pitfall of kind of operating on the sort of spiritual autopilot. But I remember my youth pastor saying to me, Kristen, if you're not growing in your faith, you're actually dying in your faith. Growing up, my mom had stacks of these Janet Oak novels. I'm not sure if you've ever read Janet Oak novels, but my mom had like so many, so many. And one book in particular had a storyline where a young bride adjusts to prairie life. She's, she marries this young widower who has a young son. And of course, the story revolves around their budding romance and the ups and downs of married life and their little squabbles. But the undercurrent of the novel highlights just how much work was involved in prairie life in the pioneer days. And so this couple doesn't just bask in these beautiful sunsets or enjoy picnics or jump in the hail, bays, bays, bales of hail. I don't know how you say that. Um, but they work tirelessly in the summer to prepare for the harsh winter months. So when we are in the summer season, rather than operate in our own strength, let's intentionally invest in our relationship with God. Let's deposit into our spiritual bank accounts. You know, it makes bracing those winter seasons so much easier. Now, if you're in a summer season, enjoy it. Don't dread the winter. But I'm just saying don't coast through it. The pitfall of self-reliance is that instead of operating by faith and not by sight, which is outlined in 2 Corinthians 5-7, we operate by sight and not by faith. So when things are good, it's great. But when things go wrong, not only does our world get rocked, but our faith does too. Jeremiah 29, 11 states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I'm sure everyone's grandma has a needlepoint verse of this on their wall. At least mine does. And I love this verse, and I see why so many people do. I mean, a hope-filled future, like, sign me up. I love that. But I want to focus on the first part, and it's often overlooked. For I know, declares the Lord. 
1 Corinthians 3.12 states how we know in part, how we see in part. But God, he sees the whole picture. Corey Ten Boom is a missionary, and she has one of my favorite lifetime quotes where she says, don't be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. You know, our knowledge is finite. We don't know the future. However, our God, his knowledge is infinite. Psalm 65, 5 to 12. I depend on God alone. I put my hope in him. He alone protects me and saves me. He is my defender, and I shall never be defeated. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my strong protector. He is my shelter. Trust in God at all times, my people. Tell him all your troubles, for he is our refuge. Human beings are like a a puff of breath. Great and small alike are worthless. Put them on scales, and they weigh nothing. They are lighter than a mere breath. Don't put your trust in violence. Don't hope to gain anything by robbery. Even if your riches increased, don't depend on them. More than once I have heard God say that power belongs to him and that his love is constant. This verse is talking about depending on God alone, that he alone, he alone, not us, he alone. You know, it is inevitable that when I put faith in myself, when I operate and I'm spiritually self-reliant, I will always fail, 100% of the time. However, God, on the other hand, he never fails. Let's unsubscribe to self-reliance. Secondly, comparison. You know, having a smartphone is great. I love social media, but it's never been so easy to compare other people's highlights reels to our bloopers reels and even just our mundane every day. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. This is such a simple yet profound truth. I think of King Saul in the Old Testament. He had a complicated relationship with David. 1 Samuel 18. The first few verses just provide a little bit of a background context. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Jonathan was Saul's son. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe and he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. It goes on to say in verse 5, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. So when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul and sing him with dancing, with joyful songs, and with timbrels and lyres. And they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So Saul here, he was obsessively comparing himself to David. 
And that was the beginning of his downfall. In fact, if you continue reading, the very next day, things really take a dark turn. Let's be people who run in our own lane. So here you'll see a graphic of a racetrack. So I ran a bit of track back in the day. I wasn't good. Um, I'll, this isn't in my notes, but I'll tell you a random story. So I uh, used to be a youth pastor, and I was working at a church, and sometimes I was involved in the local high school. And so at one event, they had me there, and I met one of the teacher's son-in-laws, and I was just, I introduced myself to him, and he asked me, what do I like to do in my spare time? So I was like, well, you know, I go to the gym, I like to run. And he asked me, like, how far I I ran, and I told him it's not impressive. Well, it turns out this person actually won the Boston Marathon in 2012, so you can imagine how stupid I looked telling him I run, and yeah, it turns out he actually runs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, anyways, um, yeah, a bit of humble pie there. Um, but when I ran track, we were trained to look straight ahead, like focus on the finish line. And if you were looking to the left and the right at your competitors too much, not only would you slow yourself down, but you risked running outside of the lines and disqualifying your race. King Saul disqualified himself from being an effective and wise king He tarnished his legacy, and he spent much of his reign on a manhunt for David. Brought on by jealousy, brought on by comparison. Likewise, if we fall into the trap of comparison, we are no longer focused on our journey as we are fixated on somebody else's. So when I feel the urge to compare, I try to do two things. Firstly, I pray for the other person. I thank God for that other person's blessings. First James, or it's not first James, James 1.7 says all good things come from above. So who am I to question that? And after thanking God for their blessings, I begin to thank God for what he's done for me. You know, gratitude is so powerful in shaping perspective. I love that song we sang this morning, Blessed Be the Name. In those choruses, there's, there's two parts. The first is like, blessed be the name when I'm found, you know, when the, when the sun's shining down on me. And then the next one is when I'm found in the desert, desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Sometimes it's hard But it's so important that whatever season of life we're in, that we give God thanks. We have so much to be grateful for. Run in your own lane. Unsubscribe to comparison. Thirdly, unsubscribe to discouragements. You know, up until recently, I thought that discouragement was an emotion that you were kind of stuck with until it faded or subsided. Maybe your circumstances changed. Yet I look at the words at John 16, 33. Where Jesus, Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Fighting discouragement isn't a suggestion, it is a command. Don't let your hearts be ruled by what you see, but rather by what he has promised you. Psalms 43.5 says, why so downcast, O my soul, put your hope in God. This, was, this psalm was written by one of the sons of Korah. And I read this, and you can tell that the author is despondent. They are in the depths of despair. They're, they're downcast. They're discouraged. But instead of just sitting it and feeling it, this person is addressing their own spirit. They're giving themselves a spiritual pep talk. They're saying, why? Like, no, like, I feel this way, but no, put your hope in God. When our thoughts and feelings cloud God's promises, we need to tackle it. Instead of believing everything we think and feel, 
We need to align our thinking to God's truth. Discouragement is a chokehold on our faith. So if I was choking on food right now, now would not be the time for me to plop down and watch Netflix or eat ice cream, but no, I would need to do the Heimlich, or at the very least, it needs to be dislodged. We need to treat the chokehold of discouragement the same way. And how do we do this? Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. When you have a mindset of discouragement, go to the scripture, the source. Fill your mind with God's truth. Speak into your situation through prayer. Allow God to encourage you. We will all encounter discouragement from time to time. But it's so important that we don't wallow in it, but rather we fight through it. So let's unsubscribe to discouragement. Fourthly, let's unsubscribe to worry. You know, worrying is damaging. It skews, it distorts our perspective. Do you know what it does? It actually shrinks our faith and confidence in our God, and rather it magnifies our situation. Matthew 6, 25 to 34 says, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I am so prone to worry, so much so that my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Graham, used to call me her little worry wart. I didn't really like Mrs. Graham, but you know what? She was, she was right. Later in life, I used to justify it as, oh, I had a heightened awareness or maybe perhaps a spiritual gift of discernment. But I was reading Joyce Meyer's book a few years ago. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And she writes, some people think they have discouragement when actually they are just suspicious. Suspicion comes out of the unrenewed mind. Discernment comes out of the renewed mind. So discernment is a gift of the spirit. However, worry left unchecked is actually a sin. We are commanded not to worry. Quoting Corey Ten Boone again, she says, worry does not empty today of its trouble, or sorry, worry does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. Worrying saps so much energy. It robs us of our hope and peace. If you struggle with worry like I do, take your worries to God. 1 Peter 5, 7 states, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 
One thing I'm learning is that you don't have to be problem-free to be worry-free. Isn't that something? We don't have to be problem-free to be worry-free. And proof of this is found in Philippians 4. So here it kind of outlines this equation. And the equation is prayer plus thanks equals peace. Prayer plus thanks equals peace. So Philippians 4 verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God about what you need and thank him for all he has done. So here we see pray plus thanks. Then it goes on in verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So as I was looking through all these unhealthy mindsets, be it worry, comparison, discouragement, self-reliance, I realized there was only one mindset that I needed to really subscribe to, and that was a mindset of faith. Hebrews 11.1 states, faith as confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? And do you have faith in your God to come through? Faith is the result of believing in the gospel. Faith causes us to act on what we haven't experienced yet, to believe in the promises in the Bible that haven't been fulfilled yet, and to trust God when our situations haven't changed yet. When we subscribe to a mindset of faith, we first of all, we are strengthened. I look at young David and Goliath. It's important to note that David, he wasn't even a soldier. The only reason he was there is because his dad sent him to literally carry the food to his older brothers who were on the front lines. And so David is carrying the cheese or whatever food it was. He rocks up to this battle scene. And what does he see? He sees the Israelites cowering. He sees this, pretend I'm tall. He sees this giant named Goliath. Um, who's taunting them and wants to do do this one-on-one face-off. And so David, this simple shepherd, this kid, goes to the king and says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David had faith that God would defeat the giant and deliver his people. So David stood up to the king and then the giant. Secondly, when we have a mindset of faith, we are courageous. Esther is a great example of courage. She was in constant danger, not because of what she was doing, but because of who she was, a Jew. And Esther showed courage. She put her own life at risk to save her people. People think that courage and strength are the same, and they're they're not synonymous, even though we often see them together. Courage is the ability to do what scares us, to act, act on our beliefs despite the risks, to show strength in the face of grief, or pain. Courage like strength comes directly from our faith in God. And lastly, when we have a mindset of faith, we are unshakable. I used this example last time, and I hope you're okay that I'm using it again. But I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found in Daniel 3. These men were literally on death's doors. They were staring at the fiery furnace, 
what looked like an imminent death, they refused to bow down at King Nebuchadnezzar's statue and renounce their God. Daniel 3.16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who, is able to, to, who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. These men demonstrate what we read about in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. God wants us to have sound minds. In my conclusion, my hope and prayer today is that you would think about what you think about. Let's be intentional here. Our minds shouldn't be a free-for-all. May we unsubscribe to those things, those mindsets. Maybe they're listed here. Maybe some of them aren't. But unsubscribe to what holds you back. And instead, subscribe to a mindset of faith. I leave you with this verse in Romans 12, verses 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, God, I pray that we would be people that would think about what we think about. Lord God, I pray right now that you would guard our hearts and our minds, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that when life throws things our way, Lord, that we wouldn't believe everything we think and feel, Lord. But God, Lord, that we would align our thinking to your truth. Lord, I pray, God, that you would renew our minds. Lord, whether it's self-reliance or worry, discouragement, comparison, maybe it's lust, maybe there are other mindsets, materialism, God. God, you know. Lord God, I pray right in this moment, God, that you would shine light in our hearts, God. Where have we gone wrong in our thinking? Where have we gone astray? Lord, I pray, God, that we would have the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray, God, that our thought life would bring glory and honor to you, Jesus. Renew our minds. Guard our hearts. In your precious name, amen. Well, you are all dismissed. Have a wonderful week.